Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, good morning again as we gather here this morning. Get your um, wheels spinning a little bit with a question. We're pondering this morning. You know, it's early enough or late enough in the morning. If you had enough coffee, maybe you're ready to think and reflect a little deeply. Well, here's your question. What are some words that have shaped your life? Now, think about that just for a moment. Because words can have a lot of power. I know we, maybe as kids say, sticks and stones, you know, it may hurt my bones, but, you know, words will never hurt me. Words can hurt. Sometimes words can also be inspiring and uplifting. You, you had, you know, someone in your family or you had a coach or a teacher that said something to you that really inspired you, maybe to be more than what you could be. Sometimes those words do hurt. Those words can be words that linger in our lives and, and, and they shape the way we think about ourselves and the world around us. Now, I've shared before, you know, growing up in my household, um, a lot of times people assume just because that I'm a pastor, my father must be a pastor too. And his father and his father's father and so on and so on. And for a lot of pastors, that's the way it is. But I can tell you my father was not a pastor because he didn't tell me to go to heaven. You know, and, and he'd often say things like, with my brothers and I, he goes, I don't give a, well, fill in the blank with some explicitives, if you kids kill each other. I mean, those are the words that early in my life began to shape my understanding of who I was and my relationship with my father and how I perceive the world around me. Those are some of the words that shape me, but also words from, from my mother, words from scout leaders I was involved with, Boy Scouts, words from... Some of the teachers in my life that also positively shaped me as one who, you know, was going to, you know, grow. The one that, that could learn and could step beyond those words that my father had shared with me. Words have a lot of power. And, and some words truly can shape, again, how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive the world around us and others around us. Last week, we kicked off a series simply called forgiveness. And in this series, we are exploring what forgiveness is and what it is not, and how it is that we forgive, what it means to be forgiven, and what it means to forgive. And as we said that, we said this, you know, truth is, as we look in Scripture and the reality of life, that forgiveness is required when relationships are taken seriously. If you're going to be in a relationship with another human being, There will be opportunities for you to hurt or offend them and for they to hurt and offend you. So unless you're living on a remote island all by yourself, if you're doing that, you're probably going to go crazy eventually. And so you start having conversations with yourself and arguments with yourself so you can learn to forgive yourself. That's a whole different story. But, you know, if you're going to be in relationship with other people and you're going to take those relationships seriously, forgiveness is a part of that relationship. And we see that again in God's relationship with us. Even in the song we opened up with, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. God took his relationship with humanity, his relationship with you so seriously that he sent his son Jesus Christ to live, to die, to rise again. That we'd have life in him and through him. Well, we heard just a little earlier this morning this 
encounter with Jesus. Jesus is with his disciples, and they're having a conversation. He's teaching them, and then Peter steps forward with a question. So let's read from Matthew 18, verse 21. Let's read this together. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, when someone has wronged me, how many times ought I forgive him? Seven times? Now, we don't know the whole context of this story, of this encounter with Jesus. We know that they've been talking about, you know, sin and how to approach like a brother or sister in Christ who sins and, you know, how we wrestle through that. And we don't know if the disciples were asking more questions and Peter just says, well, I'll ask them, you know, because Peter seems like he's that kind of guy that just does that. I'll be the one that will ask the question. Or whether, you know, something happened, maybe amongst the disciples, you know, they were not perfect. They were in relationship with each other. And when you're in relationship with other people that are sinful like you are, guess what? Stuff happens. Maybe he's thinking, you know, I, 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 I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to forgive John or James anymore. And so Peter steps forward and asks this question. Lord, how many times do I have to forgive someone who has wronged me that is sinning against me? Seven times? Now, in the Jewish tradition of this time, you know, they were to forgive somebody three times. Like strike three, you know, and you're out. And so Peter, I think Peter's going like, I'm gonna, I've been around Jesus long enough. I'm going to double, more than double, the amount of times that I'm supposed to forgive someone. So not three times, Jesus. Seven times. I've been listening to you. And Jesus, Jesus, you know, says, uh, not seven times, Peter. Seventy times. Seven. And imagine, you know, the disciples, you know, what they look like. You know, did their jaws kind of drop down like, what? Seventy times. One, two, three. I only got 10 fingers, Jesus. You know, 70 times 7, that's a lot. Anyone do math real quick? 490. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That is, uh, so anyways, you know, the disciples are like, you're just kind of befuddled by what Jesus says. And he goes on and he tells this parable. Let's read Matthew 18, verse 23. That's, that's why the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. That is why the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a phrase that is packed with so much stuff. That's a big theological word, stuff. The kingdom of heaven. When we hear Jesus say the kingdom of heaven, this is Matthew's gospel. Other gospels will say the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is so rich with so much meaning. The kingdom of heaven is here, and the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that is, that is God's grace. And so when he says, the kingdom of heaven, those who follow me are part of this kingdom of heaven. If you're kingdom of heaven people, this is how you're going to live your life. This is who you are. This is who we are. And Jesus tells this parable. That is why in the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And Jesus goes on to tell this, you know, story, this parable. Jesus, you know, who was full of, of grace, who taught so powerfully, who as he walked on this earth, you know, and like taught people, he, he performed these miracles from, you know, calming a raging storm to feeding thousands of thousands with just small morsels to healing the blind, the deaf, the mute, even raising the dead to life. And he often taught in these parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts. And so the, the king brings before him his servants, and one of the servants owes him a whole bunch of money. 
10,000 talents. Now, just to put this in context, 10,000 talents, one talent is equivalent to about 15 years worth of wages. So about 130 pounds of silver or gold in a talent. So 15 years per talent, and he owes him how many talents? 10,000. Okay, sorry, math again. 15 times 10,000 is a lot. <laughs> That's like 150,000. So this servant owes his king 150,000 years worth of wages. I, I know, like, wow. And you thought your debt was, whoo. 150,000 years. Now, part of what Jesus is doing is what we call a hyperbole. Hyperbole means that it's kind of an exaggeration. Jesus is making a point with the story. that This guy owes something that is just like out of this world. That you'd owe your king 150,000 talents. And, and whether he had ticketed out some kind of loan or whether he was like the CFO for the king and he managed all kinds of other monies that were coming forward and he'd always stick some in his pocket and the king realized he'd been sticking a lot of generous amounts in his own pocket and not giving as much to the king. We don't know. We just know the king is calling his servants forward. He says, you owe me 150,000 talents. And imagine the guy is just kind of pale, you know, shaking here just a little bit, drops down to his knees and says, you know, Lord... Be merciful. If you just give me a little more time. A little more time? That's 150,000 years. How many do you need to pay this off? Because the king, you know, is going to do what he could do, which was he's going to throw them in prison. It would be like what's called a debtor's prison. I'm going to sell everything you have on eBay, get what I can get for it, and but you and your family are going to be in debtor's prison until this debt is paid, 150,000 years worth of debt. And the guy begs. And it says the king has pity on him. The king is filled with mercy and compassion. And so he says to the servant, it's forgiven. Now, I don't know about you. If you had 150,000 years worth of debt that you owed somebody, and they forgave that, I mean, what would you do? Party. Maybe a little, woohoo! You know, you run home and tell, you know, your, your family, guess what? The debt's forgiven. This is awesome. But this guy, what does he do? The next thing he does, he goes to one of his fellow servants' home. He's going to get in. He's knocking on the door. I was going to ask for a volunteer, but I'm not. I was going to ask Craig to come up. But, you know, he, he says, you know, he comes up and he basically, like, grabs the guy by the throat and says, pay me what you owe me. And this guy owed him a hundred denarii. One denarius is a day's wage. So he owes them a hundred denarii, about a hundred days worth of wages. Now remember, this guy, the servant who is choking the other guy, owed his king how many days worth of wages? This is more math. Now you have to take 150,000 and multiply it. Yeah, don't worry about that. I'm not going to figure that out. <laughs> he, I mean, a hundred days worth of wage is not, nothing to scoff at. But compared to what he owed the king. And then the other servants, they're, they're watching this unfold. And we don't know if everybody was in like the, the courthouse there before the king. And everybody saw what had happened to this one servant. 
or whether he was excited and he was running down the road saying, hey, the king forgave me. He forgave me. Look at this. And then went and knocked on the door. We just know that they know what had happened. They know that the king was merciful, that he was compassionate, and he forgave this servant's debt. And then they see him go to the door of a fellow servant, knock on that door, and grab the guy and say, pay me what you owe me. And of course, the guy says verbatim the same words that he had said to the king, you know, please give me some more time and I can pay this back. The guy's like, nope, I ain't having it. Law is a law. You owe me. Guess where you're going? You and your family are going to dinner's prison. I'm selling everything you have on eBay. I'm going to get what I can get until I get everything I deserve. And so the servants, they go and tell the king. And the king is what? The king is irate. He is upset. He had just shown mercy to this servant. And then he turns around. The one who had been forgiven 150,000 talents. 150, 150 years, or 1,000 years worth of wages, is going to his fellow servant and really, you know, grabbing him by the scruff of the neck. And Jesus goes on to say, you know what? This is what forgiveness is. He says, you know, if, if you um, aren't willing to forgive someone else, you're just like this one servant. Because the forgiveness, the debt that you owed God for your sins is so immense. It, 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 is, it is something that can't be counted. If God has forgiven you, then he's calling you to forgive others. Whose debt, compared to your debt, is so small. It's still a debt. It still may hurt. You know, they may have wronged you. Jesus is not denying that. But he's saying as we consider the debt that we've been forgiven, how can we not forgive others the way that God has forgiven us? See, some words really shape our lives, like the word forgiven. That word forgiven shapes our lives. It shapes our understanding of who we are and what we're all about. That's the kingdom of heaven. So really, here's what Jesus is getting across to his disciples, and, and through these ancient words speaks to us today. Forgiveness without calculation or reservation. So when Peter's like, so Lord, how many times should I forgive the person that's wronged me? Seven times? That's pretty good, God. And Jesus goes on to answer. Seventy times seven and tells this parable. And he's saying, the kingdom of heaven is forgiveness without calculation or reservation. I see that's God's forgiveness for you and for me. In his son, Jesus Christ, it's forgiveness without calculation, without reservation. Jesus is not going to think, kind of, I got up to 10, James, sorry, you're toast. How oh, God forgives again and again. We hear this not just in the New Testament, we hear this in, in the Old Testament too. Through the prophet Isaiah, we hear these words, and let's read these words together. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I alone am the one who's going to blot out your rebellious actions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins anymore. I will not remember your sins. Now that God just completely forgets, but chooses not to remember, chooses not to hold those against us. I don't know about you. If you ever had someone that sinned against you and you tend to bring those back up and hold that against them? It's human. We all tend to do that some. But he blots out that transgression. That, that, that the ink is just marked out. It can't be seen anymore. 
And even think about, again, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven as like this, that Jesus lives this out even at the cross. At the cross where he says these words, and this is in Luke 24, 23, sorry, verse 34. Let's read together. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even as he's struggling, grasping for each breath. As he's enduring the pain of the cross, as he's enduring all the sins of all humanity, of all time, yours and mine and everybody else being placed upon himself, he speaks and he lives out what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Father, forgive them. Without calculation, without reservation. Because when we value a relationship, then forgiveness becomes part of that relationship. And God values a relationship with you and me. C.S. Lewis, you're familiar with C.S. Lewis, the author of The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, and a number of other books, um, had this great way of expressing this. And I, I miss watching this with my wife. There's a new movie out on Amazon you can watch about his journey from being a Christian to being an atheist and antagonistic towards God to, you know, through Tolkien and others, you know, rediscovering his Christian faith and God's love for him. But he says these words here. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Just think about that for a moment. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. So how do we you know, forgive? You know, I, I give you a number of habits that I think are helpful in walking through that journey of forgiveness. Because sometimes, you know, someone sins against you, they, they wrong you, and it's something really small. It's insignificant. It's easy. But sometimes something happens. Someone has done something that it carries a lot of weight in your life. Like the words that my father said for a long time carried a lot of weight in my life. That first habit, action to take, is ask God for help. Come on. I mean, somebody bumps into me at the store and says, please, you know, excuse me. And that's easy to say, I forgive you. Someone says words like, go to, you know, those words can linger. And so for me, that's part of where I have to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I ask God for help. I think of the words of Philippians 4.13 where Paul writes these words. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. I can forgive someone who caused such great grief and pain in my life. Because Christ strengthens me with his grace and his presence. Ask God for help. And the second is to acknowledge the hurt. It's okay to say, hey, that hurt. Now, maybe the hurt again is really minor. But sometimes it's real. And sometimes I think as Christians, we try to be like, oh, I forgive you. And we don't really wrestle through that that really hurt. That, you know, we are human with feelings and dreams, and an identity, and sometimes people do things to us physically, emotionally, spiritually, and it hurts. And part of asking God for help is asking God to help us heal from that hurt. And sometimes God puts people in our lives, you know, counselors, even pastors that we go and visit to help us work through that hurt. Part of what I did when I got to college is I went to visit. They had a kind of counselor, you know, on staff. She was a nun at a Lutheran school, but she did a great job. I've helped me with one visit, just process and lean on God for help to forgive my father. Ask God for help, acknowledge the hurt, abandon resentment. 
It's easy to hold on. It's easy to resent. And sometimes we build up that resentment and that callousness in our relationship. It can go on for years and years. Ask God for help. Ask God for help. You ask him to help you with the hurt and help you to abandon resentment. Paul writes about it in this way in Ephesians 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Again, we're circling back to the words of Jesus there. That we forgive as Christ forgave us. That we are compassionate with one another just as God is compassionate toward us. Ask God for help. This is five, by the way, because I've got five fingers. So it's easier that way. Ask God for help. Acknowledge the hurt. Abandon resentment. Commit to forgiving. I think it, in faith, it's a commitment we make. I'm going to forgive. That doesn't mean it's easy by any means. I mean, sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it takes time for us to forgive. But a commitment to forgive because we know we have been forgiven much. I think this is what Jesus is driving home in the words that he gives us from the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as also as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, sometimes you hear a preacher talk about this, and it's such a law, like, if you haven't forgiven, God will not forgive you. And really, I think what is driving here in the Lord's Prayer is, look, Lord, help me forgive as you have forgiven me, because God knows it's not easy for us to forgive. We blot things out, and then somehow with some magic, magic you know, blotter eraser, we erase that blot and say, I remember when you... And again, sometimes the wounds are deep and it hurts. Yet our prayer is that God help me to forgive as you've forgiven me. That's why so often we have the Lord's Prayer. I think it's so important for us to do that in our worship. It's so important for us to have that as part of our lives. Lord, help me to forgive those who have, have debts, who have dead to me, who have trespassed against me. All right, ask God for help. Acknowledge the hurt. Abandon resentment. Commit to forgiving. Cancel the debt. And then sometimes canceling the debt means you go to the person and you simply say, I forgive you. If you're not there yet, and when I counsel people on, you know, guide them, kind of coach them on how to work through reconciliation, sometimes you might say, you know what, God forgives you. He's forgiven you. And I want to forgive you. And I'm committed to forgiving you. I'm not there yet. But sometimes, you know, physically doing things like writing a letter, you know, whether it's write a letter and you shred it, you know, tear it up, you know, write a check, now, I, don't, I have a lot of checks because I don't write checks anymore, but write a check out like a debt that's owed and then put, you know, void, forgiven, cleared, canceled. And sometimes it's one for us that we continue to cancel. Because I can tell you that I have forgiven my father, but sometimes, you know, those words, guess what they do? They creep back into my life. And it's easy to find that resentment creeping back in. But it's as I reflect on God's forgiveness toward me that I can learn to forgive him and forgive others as I have been forgiven, and to live in that forgiveness. Forgiveness is required when relationships are taken seriously, and God values his relationship with you, and our relationship with one another and all others, that he sent his son Jesus to give us life, that in his life that is given on the cross, we have absolute forgiveness. Forgiveness that has no calculation and no reservations. You know, here at Holy Savior, we talk about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. And if we're going to grow in Jesus and share his love, it is not always a one-time event, a one-time process. 
This whole thing with forgiveness and living in forgiveness with God and forgiveness with one another it is something that is always a part of our lives. A part of God shaping us with one very powerful word, forgiven. So here's a challenge as we go into this new week. And the challenge is this. How will God's forgiveness shape your relationship this week? Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love. Lord, if we are honest, sometimes we do not live with your forgiveness in part of our lives. We doubt your forgiveness for us. We struggle to forgive others. Lord, sometimes we do not want to. We feel like they don't deserve it. And Lord, they don't. But neither do we. Yet, Lord, you call us as your people to forgive as we have been forgiven. So, Lord, help us to forgive generously. Help us to forgive as you have forgiven us. And, Lord, where we struggle to forgive, where we are hurt, Lord, and the wounds are deep, help us to heal and to continue to strive day in and day out to forgive, to live in the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.